I do want to take a moment to introduce my wife, Donna. Uh, she's not been able to be here before because she has been caring for her mother in California, moving her from off of the ranch and into town. Donna is my wife of 40 years, and we have three grown children, all of whom are married, one living on each coast, one in Florida, one in California, and one here in Salt Lake area. And then we have six grandchildren as well. And so we, we just are delighted, and we hope that we'll be able to introduce you to them at some point. But Donna, I would just like for you to stand up so people can know who you are. And people of First Baptist Church, I want you to welcome Donna as one of your own. Matthew is uh, quite a writer, and he likes to tell these stories that have a point. And of course, the point is that those who didn't have the oil, who hadn't prepared, were foolish. And so when the critical moment came, when push came to shove, they were busted. They just were left out. Well, a man went to pick up his son from his ex-wife for their journey to go see a particular show that was important to his son. And the last thing that she said to him was, Now you do have the tickets, don't you? And he says, I've got it covered. Well, he went down to the theater and his friend who had the tickets didn't show up. And he was frantic. He didn't want to disappoint his son one more time. He didn't want his ex-wife pointing an accusing finger of him at him for not being a responsible adult. And so he began to shout out, Does anybody have a ticket? Does anybody have a ticket for sale? And this guy came up and said, well, my son is sick and I can't use these tickets. And the guy said, look, this is all the money I have. Can I buy your tickets? And he says, no, you can't, but I'm a police officer and you're busted. Those who were inscrutable, who were without any sense of propriety on Wall Street did a lot of sleight of hand maneuvering so that they could gain wealth. And when the whole thing came tumbling down on us as well as on them, they were busted. We often get busted when we're not prepared. Something happens, something comes up before us, and we didn't anticipate it or we weren't responsible. And we wind up losing that which is so important to us. In our faith it's this way. People who don't invest themselves in their faith who have either a shallow faith or a bankrupt faith come to a time of their end of their life and they began to wonder, oh my gosh, judgment is coming. 
What am I going to do? Busted. This is what I think Matthew is getting at in the story. And it's a story about ten young women or virgins or bridesmaids or they use all kinds of terminology in various translations. But there's an element of youth and irresponsibility anyway. And if you took this story out of context, I think it would be more appropriate to talk about the five selfish young women who wouldn't share. Because think about it, you know, the bridegroom was going to come any time. This is the tradition that there is in the Middle East. They don't go away on some honeymoon that occurs, you know, for a week or two after the wedding. They stay home and welcome people. And people come. And in the custom of the Middle East, when the party has begun, they close the doors. And that keeps it safe and manageable. Well, that's what happened. The selfish ones wouldn't share and the foolish ones had to go off to find in the middle of the night someplace to buy oil for their lamps so that they would be able to see when the bridegroom came and to go with the bridegroom into his house. It's a wonderful story, but it is set in the context of the end of the book of Matthew. And Matthew is trying to warn us against not being prepared because he's telling about the coming of the Son of the Human One, the Son of Man. He's talking about the parousia, the eschaton, the end of the age when all judgment comes upon all peoples. And he is saying that you don't know when that person, when that end is going to come. And so you need to be prepared. And so these are foolish young women. And that's why they call it this in all of the literature. But they're not just one time foolish. They're immature. They're impetuous. They don't think ahead. From the context, as you read the story, the selfish ones maybe were being selfish because they had been foolish and unprepared so many times. So many times before, and they were fed up. And so the foolish ones weren't prepared. And they were left out. The gates were closed. And they missed the banquet and the joy and the celebration that is there. So there's judgment. But in this story, there is also encouragement for each of us. In this series of three stories that he is presenting, Matthew is talking about encouragement that we can indeed sustain our faith and our preparedness. It's the story of the foolish maidens. It's the story of the talents. And then it's the story of when you have done it to the least of these, you have done it to me. And in this trilogy, 
at the end of the book of Matthew, we begin to get a sense that what God wants for us is not to be left out, but to be prepared so that we can be included in the fun and the celebration and in the joy that comes in knowing God. We're being encouraged to be faithful. It's in Revelations 19. This is 7 and 8. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. To her it has been granted to be clothed with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. The fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And it is indeed what we are doing is a way of us in preparing for the coming of God, for that judgment day, if you will. It's the encouragement to do deeds that bespeak of the faith that you hold in your heart. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it not only talks about uh, the deeds that you do, but also that you continue to keep working. That you don't stop. You don't slow down. See, the word that he uses is, let there be no idleness. Okay, but here's the problem. The problem is that it's easy to have compassion once, right? It's easy for an evening to put up with somebody that, you know, that you're not quite sure about. But to live out day by day, it is very difficult to sustain being a compassionate person. The helping professions often talk about compassion fatigue because you just wear out with giving of yourself. How do you let that not happen? Compassion fatigue. How is it that we are supposed to take care of ourselves day by day so that when we are doing good, we don't wear out? You know, it's easy to be a peacemaker when there's a big rally downtown. But it is difficult to be a peacemaker when, a, when wars come and go. When conflicts within communities, between races, between lifestyles are always there. How do we sustain the work of constantly being a peacemaker? Because this is what God is asking us to do. Is to be diligent in doing the things that are being talked about way back at the beginning of Matthew when He gives the Sermon on the Mount. We are to live according to the dictates of the Sermon on the Mount every day of our lives. Not to backslide, not to become fatigued. 
not to just drop into idleness, but we are to continue to give ourselves. And my friends, how do we do it? And my answer is, it is only by the grace of God that we can do it. But God's grace comes in many ways and many forms. Isn't that right? We get energized when we follow spiritual disciplines, when we seek to connect ourselves in practices of connecting with God because then in Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we get renewed and revived, refreshed day after day. When we have that time in the morning when we do a prayer and a Bible study, or uh, when we are a part of a group that is going deep into the Word of God, and we're being filled with the knowledge of the love of God, and we are sustained. We're sustained when we gather ourselves into small groups, circles, the kinds of groups that work together on some project, like those who painted the new Sunday school wing and, and made it look as lovely as it is. That gives you encouragement because you're working with other people. There was a pastor who went to visit a wayward member of the flock. It was a man that he had known for years, but for some reason he had stopped coming to church. He knocked on the door and the fellow let him in. And they sat in front of the fireplace in two chairs. And the embarrassed parishioner didn't say anything. Just sat there silently waiting for the barrage of vindictives and accusations for his not being in church. But the pastor sat there silently as well. And after a considerable length of time of silence, their eyes were just looking into the fire and watching the flames flicker. The pastor got up. He took the tongs and he found one of the pieces of wood that had fallen away and had grown cold. And he took the tongs and he lifted it and he set it over on the fire. And immediately it burst into flame again. And then, without saying another word, the wayward parishioner stood up hugged the pastor and said, I'll be in church next Sunday, pastor. And so we know that there's judgment and there's encouragement. It is in that wonderful Old Testament reading that John Fellows read today where it talks about those who had been wayward and who had gone after other gods. And it's his affirmation that as for me and my house, 
we will choose the Lord. You see, ready or not, life is coming at you day by day. It's not just the judgment at the end of time. Matthew is talking about those problems that we're going to face from time to time in living and that we need to be prepared to take care of those problems as they come. The crises of life, the confrontations that just knock the wind out of us. And we have to find a way to be strong enough to get up, to dust off our knees, to take a deep breath and to go on. You see, and it's the same thing as looking to the end of time is the time of day-by-day living. We need the same things. We need encouragement and we need awareness of what is going on in our lives and that God is walking with us through it all and to acknowledge that truth. So we, we need to be in a worshiping community where we can be strengthened by one another by uplifting and powerful worship services with its music, with readings from Scripture, with a deepening understanding of the call of God and God's claim on our lives. It's like one little boy said to the pastor when they were talking, the little boy said, why do we bother to say the Lord's Prayer week after week? I don't understand what it says. I just say it. I don't mean it. So what's the use? And the pastor said, it's important that we say that prayer because you're learning, God is teaching you actually how to pray so that when times in life get hard for you, you will, are in practice. And you will know how to begin your prayer to God because you have some words that will get you started. So we're rehearsing here in our worship service for going to live faithful lives out in the community. You see, it's a choice that we make to walk with God, to be faithful in our righteousness and in our being faithful to the community of faith of which we are a part. This is stewardship time. We're called on to support this congregation. What would happen if we had to shut off the lights and close down the building? You see, we are a community of faith. And we need the support of one another and we need to support this congregation. And it's a choice. And good old Joshua said it with that powerful affirmation that as for me and my family, we are going to worship the Lord. It's a choice. He chose. And now you have to choose. If there are any here who have wondered what it would be like to make a commitment to walk with God, to be faithful to Jesus Christ. This may be the day that you might want to say, Yes, Lord, I want to be your servant. 
If you've let the embers of faith grow cold, this might be the day when it can be moved closer to the fire, the heat and the warmth of God's love and the light of God's grace. If you've not yet formally united with First Baptist Church, but desire in a formal way to be a part, this might be the day as we come to a time of moving on, as we come to a time of, of starting afresh, moving from the past and looking forward to the future, this might be the time when God is saying, Come, my child. This might be the time when you choose to hear that call and to give of yourself. My prayer is that no matter where you are on your faith, your journey of faith, that you will recommit again and again to that goal of walking with God every day. Amen. Amen.